So where is the mother and father of Mary in this story? Again, where are Mary's mom and dad? When Emily and I found out that she was pregnant, the first people we chose to tell was our mom and our dad, right? Our mother and our father-in-law. Hey, there's a new grandchild in the family. But in this story, curiously, we don't find Mary's mom and dad part of it. In fact, what we know is that shortly after Mary finds out that she's pregnant, she gets up and she goes to the hill country in Judea. That's 80 to 100 miles away. Right? She, she gets out of town as far away as she can go as quickly as possible. Now, I, I don't think we're going to read too much into the Bible to kind of figure out what might be going on. If you recall, Joseph didn't really buy the story that Mary told him that she had a child from the Holy Spirit. Turns out most people wouldn't believe such a story. And you can imagine in a small village that Mary would have grown up in, what people would have been saying about how Mary was now pregnant. And also what her mother and father might have thought about this. What, what shame this situation was bringing upon them and their house. So it's not altogether surprising that Mary finds a need to get out of Dodge as quickly as she can and go far, far away to be with a, a distant relative. This Advent, we're reflecting on peace. And last week we thought about peace in our hearts, and this week I want to reflect together on peace in our homes and peace in our families. And for a lot of us, when we think about a biblical family, we often think that in the Bible, people who, who knew God and, and were faithful, they must have all gotten along and had no problems in their family. Turns out this isn't the case. Right? The Old Testament story here is of David, and if you want some PG-13 content, just keep reading the next few pages in your Bible there. Story after story, family after family in the Bible shows complex relationships. Relationships in which there's hurt, there's pride, there's jealousy, there's abuse, there's addiction. And like in the story of Mary, there are chapters of people's lives in the Bible where other key members of their family are not in that chapter. Again, there are, there are people in the Bible again and again, and it turns out that in core parts of their story, certain family members don't go with them. That's something we all know. That happens in, in our lives, too, where for all, again, sorts of reasons, people moving away, economic opportunity, education, hurt, miscommunications, misunderstandings, again, or more tragically, the darker side of what can happen within families. We know how even those with whom we had longed for and want there to be closeness, for there to be that, that reconciliation that, again, for whatever reason, they're not part of our story during that chapter. They might be in our hearts, but, but the narrator isn't putting them in. So, so like the people in the Bible, we, we have a, a hunger uh, for that reconciliation, for closeness again, 
with people in our families, a deep hunger for that peace. Well, I wonder if part of it, part of the challenge might just simply be that we need a a more biblical definition of a family, okay? Part of what we might need to do in order to to get a sense of peace is to have a more biblical definition of family. If you have anybody in your family who grew up in the 20s and 30s, a century ago, not this 20s, but the last 20s, and if you grew up there, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, I know there's a few of you, um... You probably remember, you probably remember that across the street was your cousin. And, and if you talk to family that lived this way, they probably shared with you these stories. And in somebody's house in the 20s or 30s was probably grandma or great-grandma or a great-aunt or a great-uncle or somebody else, right? There were no nursing homes. And next door was somebody who you didn't think was a cousin, but they showed up every year for Thanksgiving. And if you really thought about it, you kind of thought that their daughter was probably married to one of your cousins, but after a while, you didn't even know who was related anymore in this town. After World War II, right, we enter the nuclear age, we get the nuclear family, and people move away to little houses that don't have close neighbors, and you have 2.3 kids and a fence. That's not how humans live for most of history. Most of human history, people live in intergenerational bands of overlapping interrelated families, right? That's how people related. And so it turns out within those family structures, again, that people existed with all over the globe until World War II, that you might have actually truly despised one of your siblings, and you might have not been able to have stood to be in the presence of three of your cousins. But it turned out there were 20 others with whom you could be best friends. Just lived again. And so I think even then when there were strain within mothers or fathers, there was a whole network of people that could have been a mother or father figure to you. Again, I think for most of, of human history, people haven't always gotten along with their parents or their children or their siblings, or at least for chapters of their lives. But this was part and parcel of life. And there were other family members that came in and took that role in so many ways. So so maybe part of what we need to do is expand our, our thought of what it really means to be family, recognizing that what we're expecting from two or three individuals is what a whole village would have provided a hundred years ago for most of human history. But eventually, eventually, uh, Mary does make her way to Elizabeth. And scripture tells us, Luke records that they are relatives, kinsfolk. It's not, it's not an exact relationship. Luke isn't saying that they're first cousins or third cousins twice removed or a sister to a brother-in-law to a this to a that. It just says that they're somehow related. They're part of a, a broad tribe together. And what, what shows that they're probably not sort of again like brother or sister or something is that when, when Mary comes to Elizabeth, Elizabeth doesn't say to her, oh, let's talk about Thanksgivings of yore, or tell me a story about how Uncle Solomon or Uncle Harry is doing. No, what they begin right away to talk about is God's work in their lives, the way they've been touched by the angels. You see, Mary and Elizabeth, 
It's not so much about their, their common genetics, but they have a story in common. And the story that they have in common is that both have experienced shame around pregnancy. Elizabeth was shamed because she couldn't have a child. Mary was shamed after she had a child because people did not understand why she had that child. Yet both also had a story of God's grace in their life where the Lord had come to them and, and the Lord was interrupting their life in a beautiful and serendipitous way. And they both then, with joy, with joy accepted the task that God had laid before them as disciples, in their cases, to bear a child. You could fairly say that Mary and Elizabeth become the first sisters in Christ. They're the first people who form a friendship in faith, a friendship in faith of their Lord that becomes stronger even than their original family bonds. Again, these are the first people who become sisters, siblings in Jesus Christ. And this is what God will do for us. God sends us and puts people in our lives with whom we become deep friends, friends that are like family. And this can happen, of course, outside of the church. But I, I find there's a power in the Christian community and in the gospel and in the story of Jesus Christ to, to bind us together. And I've seen this in my life and in your life. For maybe at some point you've, you've had a friend in a faith community and when you ponder together the, the cross and what Christ has done for your forgiveness, this allowed you to open up to one another about the shameful and hard chapters of your life. Or maybe as you've pondered together and, and praise God for the resurrection, this gave you confidence that the Lord is alive and you could share with that person where in your story the, the living Christ is at work giving new life. Or maybe like, like Mary who says, let it be with me according to your word and move forward as a disciple where you and this other person discovered a, a common passion, a common way in which God was calling you forth to, to be a disciple in this chapter of your life. Again, the, the story of, of Jesus Christ of his death and his resurrection for us and his life and his ministry are big enough that, that we and others can find our story in that and then find again that bond where we become as family to one another. And if you're, you're new to this congregation, that's one of my hopes for you, that, that you would find brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ here people whom you can share your story with, share a sense of purpose and mission as Christ has called us to follow him again and again in our lives. And to show you, though, that Christ is serious about this, this making of, of family for us, over and against often the, the hardness of our hearts, when Jesus is on the cross, he, he doesn't have much physical energy left, but he, he uses his last dying breaths to create a new family. As he looks at John, and he looks at his mother Mary, 
And he knows that, that after his death and resurrection, he's not going to be the same for them anymore. And he looks at them and, and he says, Woman, behold your son, and behold your mother. Even to the end, Jesus Christ is stitching together the, the human fabric. And we discover that we are, we are family in Christ, not by our own human blood or human contracts and covenants, but by his blood and his covenant given and shed for you that depends on his mercy and his grace. But if we go back, we, we do all hunger for true reconciliation with, with those who are so close to us biologically. We all want there to be peace in our marriages. We all want to have, again, closeness with, with our parents, with our in-laws, and with our children. And again, there are chapters of life where that, that isn't happening. And so we pray and we hope. But I can offer you that there is a word of promise in fact, the angel Gabriel, when you just go back a little bit in Luke, just a few verses before we read, he, he said that this John the Baptist is going to inaugurate an age where parents will be reconciled to their children. And he's picking up there. The angel is quoting to Zechariah the last words of the Old Testament. The last promise of God is about family reconciliation. This is serious business for, for Jesus Christ. So as we enter into this holiday season, I'm sure that at least some of you have some estrangement, some desire for a closer relationship with some of your core family. And I think, again, we put a lot of pressure on the holidays, hoping that, that maybe, just maybe, there'll be that magic kind of movie-like moment. And, and if there is in your life, we rejoice. We rejoice that, again, that peace of Christ opens up doors. But if it's not, take heart, because God's word does not go unfulfilled, and, and God will accomplish God's purposes, even if in ways and times we, we do not understand. In my former congregation, there was a couple that there had been infidelity, and I never got to the bottom of who started it, but it was, it was a lot. And uh, this couple, though, had a child, and the child was to be confirmed, and that's if you're baptized at a young age, and you, your teenagers go before the congregation and joyfully say, like Mary, let it be unto me according to your word. And uh, this, this couple then, uh, on the day of their, their confirmation, I distinctly remember at the end of the worship service, towards the end, I gave them communion. And it was really powerful because when they both took the bread and the wine, and I, and I said, this is the body of Christ given and, and shed for you. It was clear that this couple had a, had a love for each other, and they had a love for their son. Too much, had, too much had happened for them to rebuild a relationship here on earth. But there was this sense then that the forgiveness and love of Christ found in his covenant, in his blood, was, was big enough and true enough. And so there are those times and spaces where we, we don't always get the full reconciliation that we had hoped for, but we have this 